listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast, the podcast designed to help you save and improve your relationship no matter where you are in the process, whether you're at the beginning where you're trying to make sure you don't get into trouble or whether you've been married long enough that the troubles have shown themselves and you don't know what to do to get back to where you want to be. This podcast has been downloaded now over 3 million times from people around the world, which amazes me and tells me that there are those who are ready to make a change in their relationship. And you're one of those people because you're here. Now, at this very moment, I'm waiting to hear back from my uh, car mechanic. My car had to be taken in for service today. And that had me thinking, you know, as I dropped it off, my son came and picked me up and uh, we ran some errands so that I didn't have to stick around. But it made me start thinking about how that relates to our relationship to a marital relationship. Here's what I mean. Sometimes you have to do service, and sometimes if you don't do that, you end up with repair work. So I remember over the years how many times I've ended up taking our family cars to the service shop and kind of going, oh, man, why do I have to do this? Why Why can't we just keep going? But then I remind myself, of when I was a a teenager and had an old car, and that car uh, burned up, and it turned out that there wasn't oil in, but I had failed to check the oil. I'd I'd failed to do the service that I should have done along the way. Now, it doesn't mean I completely neglected it, and that's the thing to remember. Even if you take care of your car, it could still break down and leave you stranded on the side of the road. So why do we do service? Well, we do it for a couple of reasons. One is we do it so that the car will last longer. And two is so that it won't break down on things that we could prevent. You can't help it if something just happens to your car as you're driving down, you know, something actually breaks inside and you end up on the side of the road. You can't help that. Now, at the same time, if you haven't taken it in for service and it's needed it for a long time, you could have helped that. I'm in the midst of writing a book about what we can and can't control, and one of the things I point to is the fact that there are things that we cannot control but over which we have influence. For instance, our health. We have the capacity of influencing our health. This morning, I took a walk. I came home, and I did some exercise. Why did I do that? I am no longer looking for a ripped body. That's long in my past, and I passed that by without ever trying to get there anyway. But I do it because I want to make sure that this body that I'm in gets me as far as possible in as good a shape as possible so that I can keep being a part of what's possible in the world. So I exercise. Now, I do enjoy it, so that adds to it, but I do it because I know it's going to pay off down the road and making sure that I have prevented what I can. I can influence my health in that way. Just like if I take my car in and get it serviced, I could influence the capacity of that car to not break down as often. Sure, something could still happen, but I'm trying to minimize the possibility of that. Then, if something does happen, I know that I've at least done everything I can to make sure that it's as good a shape as possible. It doesn't guarantee it won't break down. It just ups the chances that it won't break down. 
So I think of service as kind of the regular maintenance work. And this is where we cross over to what this means about your relationship. It's kind of the regular maintenance work. But there are also times when you have to do some repair work in any relationship. So let's just kind of think about this over time. Let's say that you put in the nurturance into your relationship. You're servicing your relationship on a regular basis. You're making sure you take it in for service. And in other words, you're paying attention to each other and and doing some things I'm going to talk about in just a minute. That's the service part. But what if you have a major repair or a minor repair? What would a minor repair look like? Well, let's say that I say something I didn't mean to say to my spouse, that it came out more crossly than I meant, or maybe it was more of a personal attack than I meant. Maybe I responded from my own anger and hurt, and it came out in a way that was lashing out and hurt my spouse's feelings. Repair work would be apologizing, taking accountability for what I've done and making sure that I undo what I could do. There are times when what we have done can't be undone, so we have to repair the work. And this is where the metaphor breaks down a little bit, and I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit. But just bear with me a little bit. There are times when we have to do some minor repair work. And there are times when something major happens, something major in the relationship. There's a breakdown in the relationship, and many times the major breakdowns come because we didn't take care of the service along the way. And so after a while, it's running low on the lubricant of the relationship. It's running low on the connection, and suddenly things start seizing up, and people start acting out. Which brings us to the question, what do you do? Let's talk first about service. There are four things that I would suggest that fit into regular service regular maintenance on your relationship. And the first thing that I would suggest is that regular maintenance on a relationship requires frequent dialogue and connection, those two pieces. It's been a while since I've seen the research, but years ago there was research that showed that couples spend less than seven minutes per day on average talking about something outside of taking care of life, you know, the kids or the household or the cars or what they're going to eat or, you know, what needs to happen in a household. Less than seven minutes per day in what most people consider to be the primary relationship of their adult life. Less than seven minutes a day. So let's say that you and your spouse maybe in a week go out to uh, have a date night and you talk for an hour You've wiped out over a week of that average because, remember, it's an average. Or let's say that you go away for a long weekend and you find yourself talking again for, you know, several days. You've wiped out probably a month's worth of connection. You might not have another conversation for quite a while to get that average. It also means that that's the on average that there are some couples who do a better job and some couples who do a worse job. On average, less than seven minutes a day. That means that it's always running low on the lubricant of a relationship, which is connection. So frequent dialogue outside of those areas of life, like your schedule or paying the bills or what the kids are doing or what you're having for dinner, regular dialogue in those areas is important. To share your day, what that day has been, not just like 
reporting back on what's happened, but building rapport by talking about your day and supporting each other. That would be a frequent dialogue. Or to think through the areas of connection. I've talked about this in other podcasts, and I talk about it in my book, How to Save Your Marriage in Three Simple Steps. But there are three different layers to connection. There's physical connection, there's emotional connection, and there's spiritual connection. So part of the service is making sure that you're connecting on those levels. The maintenance requires us to do that. Physical connection, including sex, but also hugging, kissing, holding hands, patting each other on the back, rubbing each other's arms or legs or whatever it is, rubbing your back, all of those things are physical contact. It feels good because of our hormonal reaction, but it also feels good to know that you're being tended to, to know that somebody's in your proximity. Then there is the emotional connection of just knowing that somebody's on your side, of sharing a laugh, of sharing a tear, of talking about your day, of understanding each other, feeling like somebody is backing you. That's emotional connection. And then there's spiritual connection. Were you talking about what matters to you at a deep level? What matters to you in your beliefs? What matters to you in your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations? That's a level that a lot of couples lose somewhere in their early days of their relationship. Many couples do that early on. Then they get out of the habit. They stop the maintenance work of that area. So they don't know what their dreams, their hope, their aspirations are of each other. And that's an important part of that connection level. So regular maintenance on a relationship is making sure you have those dialogues, those conversations, and those points of connection that get you back in sync with each other, to get everything running smoothly. The second thing that I think is important in service is making sure you speak each other's love language. Being intentional about saying, hey, here is how my spouse experiences love and shares love. Because if I know how my spouse experiences and shares love, I can both share my love in a way that's understood and see the love coming back my way. I can speak the language and understand the language. That's the reason for the love language piece. And by the way, that doesn't excuse anybody from saying, okay, that's their love language. That's the only thing I'm going to do to show love. I'm going to show that one area. Love language is just making sure that when you do speak, you certainly are speaking and understanding your spouse's love language. And in a nice service and a nice maintenance where you're both doing that, you're both more clear about the love language that is shared between you. So love language makes sure that the, that, that lubricant of the relationship, the connection, the feeling of love is processed well, is understood by each other. The third point of service is what I call we processing of thinking through things as we are a team. What's best for us? What would be the best for the not just each person or, or one person over another, but for we, the collective? Whenever couples make a decision based on we, they usually come up with a much more interesting solution than what's best for you or what's best for me. What's best for us can give a much more creative understanding, as does it matter when you're thinking about resources, our resource, our money, our kids. Our connection together, when we think in terms of that, we're encompassing something that's bigger than us, that we're a part of, but that we're responsible for a bigger piece. So we processing is part of what I think is important 
and creating a secure and strong relationship. In fact, what I've noticed is that when couples make it to we, they rarely fail. Couples who don't get to we often struggle, and they don't know why that is. It's because they haven't figured out how to be a we, how to be a we are in this together perspective. The fourth piece of service is working from gratitude and appreciation. I watch couples as they get into the perspective of what they're not getting from a spouse, what they resent about what a spouse is doing and not doing, what they're not getting out of the relationship. And they stop looking to see what they are getting from a spouse, what they can appreciate from a spouse, and how they can show that appreciation. So gratitude is a sense inside of going, wow, look at my spouse who's doing all of these things, instead of, wow, look at my spouse who's not doing A, B, and C. That's gratitude. Appreciation is saying, hey, you know what? I love it when you do this. I love how you do this. I love how you bring this to our family, to, to me, to our relationship. Having that lens changes it from the critical lacking perspective to the abundance perspective of a relationship, of all the things that are in the relationship. So servicing your relationship on a regular basis, you know, it's when you take it in for the regular uh, oil change and tower rotation and maybe changing a few filters and things like that. Those are those four pieces of frequent dialogue and connection points over the three areas of connection of physical, emotional, and spiritual of speaking your love language so you it's understood by the other person and so you're understanding your spouse's love language it's a two-way conversation and if both people are doing that it's incredibly powerful when spouses are both clear about speaking their spouse's love language and understanding what their spouse is saying in that love language the third piece of the service is we processing thinking about how we are in this together and the fourth is working from a gratitude and appreciation perspective But what if suddenly there's a breakdown? (laughs) What if you have to do repair work? Well, repair work usually means that you need some outside help. It used to be, I remember the day, when you could change your oil pretty easily at home. I had a car. I loved it. It was an FJ40, Toyota FJ40 Land Cruiser. I loved it. I could reach in from the top and get to the oil filter and change the oil filter without ever having to get underneath the car. I love that car. Very easy to repair. And then I got into more uh, computerized cars as time went on, as I got into uh, the decade that the actually the car was in and I was getting a car that was maybe even close to that decade. My FJ40 was a lot older. And suddenly I couldn't change the oil so easily. And suddenly there were so many things you couldn't do. I couldn't adjust a carburetor. I couldn't do any of the work that I had done on older cars. And it required an expert. And that's often the case now when you're having to do repair work with your relationship. You might have to bring in some outside help to figure out where you're stuck. For instance, one way you can do repair work is therapy. Marital therapy is the primary way that people, in the United States at least, go get help for their marriage when it's in trouble. It also doesn't have great statistics behind it. So let's say you go to the doctor, and the doctor comes in and says, you know, I've got some bad news, you've got this going on with you, and we need to do this procedure. And oh, I need to let you know that if we do this procedure, about half the people who have this procedure die anyway. 
Oh, and I need to let you know that if we do the procedure, only about 15 to 20 percent of the people say it helped at all. I wouldn't sign up for that. And guess what? Those are the statistics of marital therapy. Over half of the couples that go to therapy end up divorced. Only 15, 10 to 15% report that it was any use at all, any help at all. So what went wrong? Why is it our primary way of doing something when it's not that effective? Well, first of all, it's because it's the one that got the foothold. And second, we don't have many alternatives that are widely known. So I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But the third thing is the fundamental problem that happens. In order to be a marital therapist, you don't have to be trained in marital therapy. But the methodology, the theory behind marital therapy is completely different than individual therapy. So the therapist who's doing marital therapy is often someone who's only trained as an individual therapist and happens to see couples, which means they don't understand what's going on on a couple level. They try to treat it as two individuals in their office, which doesn't work very well. So they have a therapist problem. The second is a theory problem that often the therapists rely on communication theory. The idea that if I teach you to communicate better, you will get along better. The problem is that doesn't work. Just because you can communicate better doesn't mean the relationship is any better because the underlying relationship is no better. You just argue better. I just make you more effective and efficient in your arguments because you're now communicating much better. The other one, beside a therapy and theory issue, is the client issue. That many times one person drags another person into therapy, and that doesn't work real well. If both people go to see a therapist who has a good theory, and both people want to be there to work on the relationship, it's a piece of cake to work on. But if one person is dragging another one in, even if the theory is right and the therapist is right, it's not going to work. In fact, it creates more resistance than it helps. So imagine what happens if the couple doesn't agree on what needs to happen. They're seeing someone who doesn't have a theory base to work from and aren't trained to do it. You can imagine that's not going to be particularly effective, which is why we have the statistics that we have. Therapy can work with the right therapist, using the right theory, with the right clients who are ready to take action. So what does that leave us? Well, some people go to retreats or seminars. Again, almost the exact same dangers are there. What if the idea behind the seminar isn't really tested, isn't really tried, is more just from the self-help, rah-rah kind of mentality? And what if you're dragging your spouse to that event? The same thing happens. But if you both want to change things and you have a really good seminar leader and a seminar format and the, the theory behind it, those can be very good in helping couples repair the work. Another option, coaching. It's a great option. The problem is the same thing often happens, and I know this because I do the coaching, Somebody will drag their spouse onto the call telling me that both of them are ready to move forward when that's not true. And in the process, all I get is more resistance and more resentment from the spouse who doesn't want to be there. It makes it harder down the road. Here's a little thing about coaching that's not true with therapy. 
you can do coaching with one person. One person who wants to work on changing a relationship can work with a coach to work on that relationship. You can't do that with a therapist, and you can't do that at a marital retreat, but you can do it in coaching. And you suddenly begin to see how one person can leverage and move things around because they are ready to move forward and they work on that. The fourth way is to just recognize you're a Lone Ranger and work with a program that helps Lone Rangers. That's actually built into the design of the Save the Marriage system. That's how I designed it because I knew that it's not always going to be the case that both people are on board with working on their relationship. Now, if you're thinking in your head, but wait, doesn't it take two to tango? It does. It does take two to tango eventually. But somebody can start the dance. (laughs) Somebody can work towards bringing the other person into the dance. And that's the process of my system and it's the process of some other programs that begin to help you where you are, ready to work by yourself. That's the same thing we do with coaching. I can work with couples who are ready to move forward. I can work with a lone ranger who's ready to take it on themselves and move that forward. So if you're looking for repair work, remember therapy can work as long as it's got the right therapist using the right approach and both of you are ready to move forward. A retreat or a seminar can be a great thing. If the seminar leader knows what they're doing, the theory behind it is a sound theory, and you both are ready to step in and do that. Coaching can work, even if only one of you is ready to move forward with that, and you understand how to move forward alone until your spouse is ready to join in. And That can be true with a Lone Ranger approach to a program like Save the Marriage. I do design Save the Marriage so a couple can use it together, but I definitely thought through the process of having the Lone Ranger ready to take it on, using the information on their own until a spouse is ready to step forward. So now I need to bring in a little different analogy. Yes, my car is in the shop. And yes, if something breaks down, It's really simple with a car. You pull in, they take out the broken piece, and they put in a new piece. And that's where the analogy breaks down. That's not what you do with relationships. Relationships are more like the human body that's healed. Now, the longer you ignore a problem, the longer it takes to heal, sometimes to the point that you miss an opportunity to heal. So understand that. I've talked about this openly before. But when I was in my, my 30s, I got sick. I got very sick. And for a long time, the doctors didn't know what was going on. I just kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. When they finally figured it out, they told me that I was faced with disability and eventually what I had would kill me. Now, they were exactly right about the diagnosis. They were wrong about the prognosis. I actually had a very acute case of what they thought I had. If I'd had chronic case, I would have ended up being disabled. It would have ended up killing me at some point. But because it was acute, I just was miserable for about eight months. And then it burned through and I was okay. Now, at the aftermath of that, I realized some things. I realized how long I had been ignoring my body, not taking care of it. Hadn't been nurturing it. Hadn't been eating well. Hadn't been exercising hadn't been resting well. I hadn't been de-stressing well. I was allowing a cumulative effect to start in and ignoring all the signs. 
I ignored my expanding waistline. I ignored the fact that I was feeling bad. I ignored the fact that I was dragging around even before I was sick. I ignored all of that. And it took a while for me to turn it around. It would have been a lot easier years before for me to say, hey, you know what? I think I need to eat better. Maybe I need to get some daily exercises. Maybe I need to make sure I get enough sleep. And maybe I need to figure out how to deal with my stress. Because I didn't, I dug the hole a lot deeper. It took a lot more time to climb out of it. I climbed out of it. I'm probably in better shape now than I was even in my 20s. But it took me a long time to climb out of it. It would have been better off had I been looking at a kind of a maintenance and service method with my body early on of making sure I was eating right, of making sure I was exercising and doing all the other things that would have kept me out of trouble. Now, is it possible that I do all those things and get sick? Yes, because that's what happens with the human body. Is it possible, though, that I would not have faced what I faced? Absolutely. The doctors don't know why I got sick the way I got sick. They have some guesses, and a lot of it is how I was treating my body, how my body wasn't ready to deal with anything coming at it. So now I do regular maintenance work on my body. I do the exercising to try to make sure that I don't dig a hole any deeper than I have to. The same is true with relationships. It's not about going in and getting a piece pulled out by the mechanic. It's about healing and moving forward. And sometimes you dig the hole pretty deep in a relationship, and it takes a lot of effort to get out of it. Doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means it's going to take a lot more than just a quick you know, two-hour journey to the mechanic to get it done. It's going to take more than a couple of hours with a therapist. It's going to take more than a retreat, or it may take more than just a couple of weeks or a couple of months of working on it. It can take some effort. But you can dig out. Not always. But way more often than you think you can, you can dig out. And that's where you find yourself. Knowing that you have some repair work to do, maybe even the hole is pretty steep. It's pretty deep. And you got to climb out. I invite you to check us out. Check me out at savethemarriage.com. This is episode number 354 of my podcast. That means I have recorded 353 other podcast plus a few bonus episodes and I've put out a number of books so you can find out about me very easily do a little research and find out all about me and my ideas and whether it makes sense and if it does I hope you'll grab the save the marriage system what I try to do is give everybody the best chance at the beginning so as you're grabbing the system I'm going to offer you a free week of my VIP program. And I've got to tell you, just to clarify it for anyone listening, that is the only time I offer that. That's it. You have to click a link that says that you're turning down my offer. But don't. Grab the offer. Grab that week. Grab the extra tools and resources that are there. It's for those who are ready to truly step up. Those who know they either want to take it seriously or they have a lot to recover from. They have a lot to climb out of. That's what it's designed for. So you can dig in and get that free week, that free bonus, just by saying yes to that. And the other thing is I have one of my coaches contact you if you want that to happen. We don't force it on you. There's no obligation to it. All you have to do is click a button on your download page. And when you do that, we'll ask for a little information and one of my coaches contacts you to make sure that you have the best start. It's a, the best start session. It's a free session. No obligation. 
Nothing else would require just for you to say, yep, I need a little extra help, or yes, I would like to get the best start to this possible. The starting point is savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. And this is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to maintain and repair your relationship. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Oh,